Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me once again is Rugby League expert, League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How's things going, mate? They're pretty good, fellow Rugby League expert. Um, it would have been good if New South Wales could have won last night, but you can't win them all or any of them, apparently. Even some of them. Some yeah. Some would be nice. Yeah. But, you know, what can you do? Well, you can go on Twitter and bitch and moan about it for days on end. Yeah, yeah, that's what <laughs> I intend to do. I've got so many replies to, like, tweets that I sent 14 hours ago that I've moved on from. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a fair few. I, I didn't really tweet that much. But yeah. I had a few people on there who started having arguments with one another mm-hmm. um, over a tweet that I made, which is pretty innocuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one person call me a idiot on social media, some other rubbish, um, and he was a South fan. He didn't like the fact that I said that Cody Walker had a bad game. <laughs> he got hooked. He yeah. Got, how can he be upset that... Uh, anyway. Yeah, you can't really defend a half who gets hooked no. at the top level like that. That's, can you uh, think of another Origin player that's been... Like a a, a a skill player, because it's easier to hook a forward, but can you think of another skill player that's been hooked? No. I mean, not even... This is a sad thing. Not even Mitchell Pierce got hooked. Yeah. Just let that sink in, South fans. I'm rubbing my forehead again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're going to zip past that. Because, yeah. Because New South Wales lost. Yeah, if they'd won this whole episode, it would have been a three-hour episode, basically, oh, yeah. about South Wales winning the series and all that, but they lost, so moving on. Yeah. Um, today, we're going to look at the 2019 players poll that was recently published on the NRL website. Um, so they went there and asked all these every player for their opinions on a, on a range of questions, mostly positional-based stuff, but other issues as well. We'll have a look and throw in our two bobs worth as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, look, I didn't, I didn't look too much into the previous player polls that Rugby League Week used to do, but I would guess that in these um, player polls they do, they're not asking questions like, do you think the NRL is doing a good job? <laughs> do you think yeah, Todd Greenberg should be sacked? It's not, it's not exactly impartial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I suppose that's the thing to take note is that it is going to be a little bit... Um, Fluffy, we'll call yeah. it. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Because they used to, I mean, Rugby League Week used to ask some pretty good questions for a while there. Yeah, um, and there were things like, um, um, do you think drugs is an issue in the game? Yeah. I, do you think you're underpaid? Mm. Things like that. And the answer, by the way, if anyone ever says that, you always say yes. Yeah. Unless you clink Utherson. Well, you even say it then because you know you'll get an upgrade and pay. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It turns <laughs> your contract from being like a, a minimum wage salary to 650000 a year. Well done, Parramatta. Well done, Parramatta. Um, all right. Fullback. Who is the best fullback in the NRL? Mm-hmm. Okay, so 55% said James Tedesco. 23% was Tuivasa Sheck. 9% Kalen Ponga. Um, your old mate Clint Gutherson got 5% and Tom Tabojevic <laughs> had 3%. Wow, that's interesting that um, Tedesco is 
I mean, more than half the people that were served, or players that were surveyed, said him because I would have thought it was level pegging between him and Chulvasa Shek. Yeah, look, I think oh, it's hard. You know, you could you can make arguments for both players. Yeah, um, I would probably have Chulvasa Shek slightly ahead, mm-hmm. but I'm talking by the slimmest of margins. Um, Tedesco is improving at such a good rate that he's going to overtake the RTS. If not this year, then definitely by next year, in my opinion. Especially having that, that good team around him he's got there at the Roosters, whereas RTS is in that regularly beaten side. Yeah. Um, and the reason why they're not constantly beaten is because of him. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that's maybe the difference right now between the two is that, um, you know, Chulvasa Shek is the Warriors' attack a lot of the time. He's the he's playing a lone hand almost in a lot of games, whereas Tedesco is running off the back of a lot of things that other players are doing. And that's not to say that he's not creating things, but uh, RTS is doing that with no one creating stuff a lot of the time. Um, so that's probably where I give him the edge. But you're talking about, you know, maybe two of the top five players in the game. I mean, easily. Easily two of the top five players in the game, and you know they're both playing so well. It's hard to say. It's hard to poke holes in either of them to give the other one the edge. You know, I think if you swap them on teams, if you swap them around, they do just as good of a job as each other. Yeah, the surprising one for me is how high Gutherson rated. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, especially being above Tom Trebojevic, because mm. I mean, let's face it: if you had to pick between those two at, at, as your fullback, you'd pick the guy who's actually played for Australia and played State of Origin, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's not even a question. Yeah, not even a question. Um, the other one that surprised me is that um, Dallin Bertani Zalesniak's not on that list. Yeah, given the... the epic effort he had in playing for New Zealand last year. Yeah, and that was a—I mean—that was a man's performance. That one, he Ooh. stood head and shoulders above everyone on the field that day. Um, he's still so young, and got a big, bright future ahead of him. I'd love to have him on my club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we won't go into that. That's, uh... No, no. So we don't need to hear me crying. <laughs> um, so just to look back on last year's results now, compared. Billy Slater topped the voting in 2018 at 60%. Ponga was 11%. RTS had 10%. Tom Travoyic, 6 And Tedesco had 5 Okay. Wow, Tedesco's come a long way. It's hard to go against Slater, though. I mean, all-time great. Absolutely. Uh, next is Winger. This is slightly close to this one. Mm-hmm. So 33% said Blake Ferguson. 24% Josh Adokar. 10% Corey Oates, 8% Ken Marmolo, 7% Jordan Rapana. Yeah, I would think that Blake Ferguson probably gets a little bit of a boost because of his work rate. Um, yeah. I think for, for pure wingers, Ado Carr is, I, it's hard to beat him. Um, and that's not saying that Blake Ferguson's not a pure winger. He just, Ferguson does get through a lot of work. And it, because he's so big and strong, he can he can almost play that role that Wendell Saylor used to play, where he's almost running as an extra forward. Um, so I would guess that that's where he gets a little bit of an extra edge of Adokar. Yeah, I agree. I think 
for me, I I also put Adokar up there. Um, the bloke is just an absolute speed freak. That like mm. you know the likes of which we haven't seen in a long, long time. And but not only that, to... he sorry, go on. Sorry. Say, he also knows how to score tries, and that's the main thing you want from a winger. Yeah, and like even last night when you watched him, he got in and and did a lot of work, and it's different sort of work that someone like Ferguson does. But he was really asking a lot of questions. Um, and I thought that that was great to see because that's that's the next level for a winger, I think, is when you're not just doing your job, but you're going in looking for work, especially early in a set. Um, and he was doing that last night and, and making Queensland really work around the rock. So that was fantastic to see. But, yeah, I, I can completely understand that. I'm glad that Rapana got a look in. Um, you know, he's a he's a really good player. I like what he does down there in Canberra. I'd have him above Corey Yates and Ken Mormolo, though, for myself. Yeah, so would I. I rate Rapana pretty damn highly. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those players that you could pick him in any side at any level and you don't have to worry about that position. He's going to get the job done. He's going to get it done way better than average. Um, yeah, I, I really rate him as well. I, I agree with you. I'd have him above those two, definitely. Um, Kim, Kim Malmolo being on the list does surprise me. Yeah, it does me too. I mean, I guess at some point, statistically, you just need a few players to to toss up his name. Um, you know, he wouldn't have been on my list though. I, no, I, I mean, think... I'd, I'd put, I'd even put, and I'm not saying this jokingly, I'd even put someone like Anthony Don there because Anthony Don just seems to be, um... I wouldn't call him a game breaker, but he's what I'd say is reliable, which I think is one of the a great asset in a winger. Yeah, same here. Yeah, and I, you know, the other thing is too, I think specialist wingers are underrated. A lot of the time, they'll chuck just a player out there, and you know, they they may be utility or they can play a few different positions. But I think it, it, when you've got a specialist winger, you get you get something extra out of them. Um, and, and I, I think that goes missing sometimes in rugby league, that when you see a real specialist doing their job out there in the wing, they really do a great job. Absolutely. So I'd probably have, oh, there's so many Jews on two. Like Nick Kotrick stands out for one. Mm-hmm. Um, Suliasu Vonavalu, Daniel Tupod. Mansour. I mean, Mansour. he's still... He still plays at a pretty high level. He's just um, starting to play with a bit of confidence too. Like he's overcome that horrible, you know, facial injury that he had. Yeah, and you can tell that at the start of the year, he was playing in self-preservation mode a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think you're starting to see, like the last two weeks, he's starting to put his body on the line a bit more. He's got a bit more confidence in everything's going to be okay. And yeah, so he's getting back to that that form that we know him for. He's not quite there yet, but he's he's moving in the right direction back towards it. Yeah, and no, look, I, I called him in a reserve grade game a few weeks ago now, and he was he was outstanding. Like, you could just tell he was another level above the players he was playing with. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's, you know, at times you did. You, get, you got the feeling that he was not throwing himself into the tackle like he used to but that is coming back to him. And I've got no problems with a player taking a little bit of time to get back. As long as they're not playing terribly, like as long as they're doing their job, I don't mind giving a player a few weeks just to to get used to the hits and, and 
stop worrying about that as the first thing they're thinking about when they're running the ball back. Um, so, yeah, look, and, and as a Panthers player, or as a Panthers fan, I'm not a player, not anymore. Um, it just feels like it. <laughs> I just feel the disappointment. Um, I he He's one of the players I don't worry about in the Panthers. He's one of the guys that I'm not looking at and thinking, well, he's part of the problem. He just definitely isn't. No. Um so in 2018 for the, the winger, uh, mm-hmm. Josh had a car ranked highest with 27%. Mm-hmm. Fusatua had 21%. Rapana 12%. Valentine Holmes 10%. And Corey Oates and Blake Ferguson were tied on 8%. So wow. it's amazing how a change in form for a club makes everyone forget some of the players there. Because Fusatua was unbelievable last year, mm. but he's not even in the discussion this year. It also makes you think about the club that you play for as well maybe at Parramatta you watch Parramatta play and Ferguson is I mean his performance hasn't changed from last year I don't think but because he's standing out in a Parramatta side that is pretty average it it really stands out to people now what he does yeah so that I think that probably comes into it a little bit as well that's very true now possibly the most lopsided one Mm -hmm. center the pick Latrell Mitchell with eighty percent. Wow. Um, Jared Croker was next with four. Joseph Manu three. Michael Jennings three, and Dane Gagai two. Wow. So I mean, to to me, that just says, but that basically everyone else is the statistical anomalies, and it, it's you know it could have been anyone based on a couple of votes here and there. Um, yeah. I, I, I I don't rate Crocker. He's a great cold kicker. I don't rate him as a as a centre. Um, but Mitchell, yeah, it's hard to argue with. Last night he had a terrible game in Origin 1, but, um, I mean, that's the worst game he's played in his whole career outside of that. it's I can't think of anyone else that would even get close to him. No, I'm not too sure how many players they interviewed for this, but they said the surprise was that James Roberts in 20, 2019 mm-hmm. didn't register a single vote. Oh, wow. And Will Chambers only received two votes, despite last year topping this with 31% of the vote. Wow. I mean, Chambers hasn't had a, an awesome year. He's been solid, but he hasn't been awesome. I was um, almost going to argue, though, that he's been better this year than he was last year. Really? Mm-hmm. I think defensively, he's been a lot more solid this year. He's lost a yard of pace in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think this year... His technique has improved in a way to try and cover for his loss in pace. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw a bit of that last night in the, in the Origin. And I think he's been better this year than he was last year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. I love seeing it when a player does that, by the way. When they change their game because they know athletically they can't get to where they were. Yeah. Um, I think that shows a really smart player. But, but yeah... Look, he used to have these battles with Mitchell. And last night, it wasn't a battle. It was all one-sided. Yeah. And it was it was kind of shockingly one-sided. And as to you say... That, I was going to say, actually, to the point where New South Wales stopped going that way. Yeah. And, and, and it was... As you say, because he's lost that yard of pace that he used to have, where he could beat you with his speed, he's doing it in other ways. And I think... I don't know if Mitchell was shocked by that 
if it put him off his game. But I mean, he he was just terrible last night. It's maybe it was just one of those games. Hard to tell. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, twenty eighteen votes. So Will Chambers thirty one percent. Inglis had twenty one percent. You and Aiken thirteen. Latroy Mitchell eleven, and Josh Dugan four. He, okay, here's a question for you: If Inglis pulls on the boots tomorrow, says I'm back, baby. Where do you put him? In terms of the rankings of centers, where would you put him? Above Mitchell. Really? Yeah. I think oh. we saw last night a flaw with Latrell Mitchell that doesn't exist with Greg Inglis. And that is when you put Inglis on the big stage, when the pressure's on, mm-hmm. he delivers. Whereas yeah. Mitchell was unable to do anything. And I think that's a telling point. That's a really good point, though. That is a really good point. Like, if you put, say you swapped, um, and it's two good near South Wales wingers, Latrell Mitchell for Greg Inglis. Greg <laughs> Inglis doesn't play like that last night. No. Furthermore, Greg Inglis would be the sort of person to realise that there was a bit of trauma in the middle, and he'd go looking to help out, and yeah. he could actually make a difference in there. Because Inglis, Inglis as a player was so multi-skilled and multi-talented. You could have put him in pretty much anywhere in any team and he'd have delivered brilliantly no matter where you put him. You could even put him in the front row. You know, the bloke was just... I, I haven't if, seen such a multi-skilled player like that before. Yeah, and, and, and did it on the biggest stages and we've talked about this before. Um, you know, wing, centre, fullback, 5'8". I actually thought that maybe if he ended up having a really long career um, and, look, his knee issue's a problem, I still wouldn't be shocked if he, like, come back next year. But if he was the sort of player that played until he was 36, 37, which I physically feel like he could do definitely, I wouldn't have been shocked if he ended up being in the back row. Because oh, lethal in there. Yeah, he, he has the size. The footwork would have been incredible. I have no doubts that he'd get through the work physically um, and the skill. I mean, and the power, like he had it all. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, look, I'd probably have Mitchell because he's got the goal kick in. He does have the lethal speed that I think uh, Inglis is probably missing that first, you know, the first five yards of speed. I think once he gets up to speed, he's probably still got it. But want that first five yards, I think Mitchell would have him. Oh, definitely, but, definitely. But but as you say, I mean, did can you re- ever remember Greg Inglis having a bad game? Not really, no. He was just I one can't. of those guys who just, even when he had an error, he he managed to find a way to um, redeem himself and fix the problem somewhere else along the way. Yeah. Um, just just a phenomenal phenomenal athlete. Mm, definitely. Uh, next, 5'8", Luke Keary tops the charts at 41%, followed by Munster, 32 Cody Walker, 18 Sean Johnson, 3 and then Anthony Milford and James Maloney were tied at 2%. Okay, that's interesting. Um, who do you think is the best 5'8 in the game right now, if you had to pick one person? Oh, that's tough. I'd probably lean towards Munster. Yeah, for me, I don't think it's tough. I think it's Munster and then Daylight. For me, it comes down to who the the halfback is as to who would be the best 5'8". But Mm -hmm. 
Munster just looks to be, um, you know, Kiri's not bad either, but I think Munster's just got, looks to have that um, better defensive aspect to his game, mm-hmm. which is very helpful in the middle. Um, and the fact he can play, he could play halfback and he could play fullback shows yeah. that he's, he's got pretty good game awareness. He'd probably be one of the top centres in the game even. Um, and, and I think the thing about Munster is, and it's really come through this year completely, I feel like he's got a real command of the game where he has almost taken responsibility for not just being a an extra part of these great teams in the Storm and the, the Queensland team last night even, he knows that he is a player that can make the big calls, that if he sees something, don't be afraid to go for it because you, everyone hopes you do because you're you're the man now. Um, I, I think he's one of the top players in the game and he's one of my first pick for an Australian team. I really, really rate him so highly. And the fact that he's got that size as well about him and the power running, I really love that. And that's something that Kiri's a little bit of a different player. He's a slighter player and he more uses his his speed and agility. But Munster, I I kind of liken him to almost someone like a Brad Fittler in terms of his, he uses his size as a weapon at 5'8". I was actually and, going to say that, especially a young Fittler. Cause yeah. The difference between the two is when Fittler was young, he regularly ran the ball a lot more than he drifted sideways. Mm-hmm. And as he got older, and obviously a little bit slower, mm. he was smarter about when he used his, his big step, because that was still always epic. Yeah. Um, whereas Munster is kind of the same. He does run a lot more than drift sideways, and that's what makes him hard to defend against, because he's got a great short ball as well. Yeah, and, and so, it's, I just I think he's so good. And I, you know what yeah. I love? I love picking him um, as an anytime try scorer because <laughs> he gets close to that line, and he is he's the most dangerous player in the Storm team when he's close to the they're close to the line. He's the one to watch. Yep, fully agree. Now, last year, mm-hmm. almost completely different players in this thing. Last year, Maloney topped the count with thirty six percent. Mm-hmm. Um, then came Widdop, twenty percent. Munster had thirteen. Blake Green was on eleven percent, and Milford was at nine percent. Wow, Blake Green. See, wow. a lot of people have. You don't hear anyone really talk about Blake Green. The one thing I like about him is that he's never been flashy, mm-hmm. but he always he always does um, a, a bloody good job out there, um, and. He seems to be one of those players that gives the rest of the team around him a bit more confidence just by being there. Like yeah, well, you see the way the Warriors play when he's not there, and they look completely lost. But he turns up, and it's like, oh, we've we've got a GPS unit. We're all good. Yeah. You know, we'll be fine to go now. <laughs> That's a really good point. He's almost like, and we've talked about it a few times in the podcast, where, and we talked about it with the Broncos, where we said, you know what they need? They need some grizzled old, you know, football head that plays five eighth or halfback just to chuck there in the halves. And just be like, listen, I'm going to give you a direction, and that's all I'm going to give you. Um, and he's almost that version, but a, he's a first-grade player. And look, I don't know that you could say confidently he's a first-grade player, but what he gives you in that sense is the reason why he's in first grade, because he does that so well. He does give you that direction. He does guide you around the field. Um, 
you know, and that's a skill. That's a big skill. And it's something that a team like the Warriors desperately needs. It's, there's a bunch of teams that need it. I mean, the Broncos need it as well. But, you know, I guess that if you look at the statistics from last year in that player poll, there was probably Warriors players that were like, yeah, this guy, this guy is the best 5'8", because he's the best one I've ever played under. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, moving on to halfback. And the thing that's interesting about the halfback one is that there were two halfbacks that played, um, like two NRL club halfbacks who played in the Origin game last night, and they're not even on this list in the top five. Wow. Okay, so we've got Cooper Cronks at the top on 39%, Mitchell Pearce 14%, DCE 11%, Adam Reynolds 7 and Chad Townsend 6%. Wow. So there's no Cleary and there's no Ben Hunt. Okay. Look, I get Cleary because the Panthers have been playing like crap, and I think that he's a young bloke. You, If he was there, you would be a little bit shocked. Um, I, I, ben Hunt, I rate Ben Hunt, but the problem is when the big games are on, he can make a mistake. Outside of that, he's a fantastic player. Yeah, I... I always feel I always feel sad when I watch Ben Hunt play because you know how good he is, but you also know that he um he, he's he suffered mentally from that that one little mistake, mm-hmm. which sent me obviously an epic one in the grand final there. Um, I think a part of him has refused to let that go, and I can understand yeah. why. I mean, you in his mind he's thinking I've just cost us the grand final. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, yeah. there's there's more than one moment that costs the team a grand final. There's been eighty odd minutes played before then that that's contributed in some way to that. Mm. But I think he's kind of lived with that. You see, you see, every time he drops a ball, now everyone just sort of goes, "Oh no, he's done it again." That's that's not helping. <laughs> no, and, and that's a good point. And I think that you can almost see it that he reacts to that reaction as yeah, well. more often than not, he'll get up and you'll see a smile on his face because he knows that's what everyone else is thinking. Yeah. And it's playing on the back of his mind. But I, I look beyond that. See, the problem I've, I've always had with Ben Hunt, um, you know, drop ball in the grand final side even before then, is the only time I recall him playing, you know, to his full potential and his absolute best ability seems to be regularly when they're up against teams that are either out of form or they were down the wrong end of the ladder. Yeah. So I always liken him to a flat-track bully. Yeah. Um, I think Mitchell Pearce is the same. Mitchell Pearce is the same, yeah. You put him in against a quality side. If you if they have to play, especially if they have to play like an origin game and two or three top NRL sides in a row around the same period, they tend to struggle. Mm-hmm. And they only seem to come back after playing a few weak teams. Um. That's just my opinion. I could obviously be wrong, but uh, that's just my view. And I've always thought of him as more of a flat track bully. You get halfbacks that are like that anyway. Yeah, look, and it's it it is almost a, uh, and I think that we're a little bit skewed because, and, and when and when I say we, pretty much anybody that's you know watching rugby league these days, our opinions are skewed a little bit because we watched Andrew Johns, who is in the whole history of the game is one of the very few halfbacks that could be behind a beaten pack in a beaten side against a better opposition team and drag his team kicking and screaming to a victory based on what he was able to do as an individual. 
Not many halfbacks ever have had that ability. Um, so I think that skews everyone's thoughts in that regard. Um, but, yeah, I, I, the, the other thing with Ben Hunt that I really like is the way that he works. And when you're close to the line, he is really so dangerous when he's attacking the line. Um, because even if he's off the ball, he's he's great at chasing through kicks and things like that. He gets a lot of tries. So I like that about him. But, um, yeah, who who was it again that topped the – it was Kronk. I think that's fair. Yeah, Kronk then, topped the list. Then Pierce, DCE, Pierce. Adam Reynolds, Chad Townsend. Now, look. I've I've spoken about Townsend before. Um, I th- I think he's underrated, and yeah. I think it be- I think it's because he's never come across as being flashy. Yeah, but he's he's another one of those um like green type players. Yeah, like, and to be honest, in this day and age, where your halfback doesn't do all the work anymore in attack, mm-hmm. they do pretty much a bit of the steering of the team around the field, and obviously the general play kicking, but. He's got so many X-Factor players around him outside the halves that he doesn't need to be that sort of player. Especially yeah. now that he's got Sean Johnson in the side. He's going to have Wade Graham parked on one edge. You've got Matt Moylan at fullback. Um, you know, Bronson Cherry in the centres. He's got different firepower all around him. He doesn't need to be a flashy player. He just needs to find a way to make them work to suit the game's game plan. And mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best game managers there is out there. Yeah, Especially and when it comes to his side. And two things that people forget about that I, I've i always rated really highly is a player that's dependable and a player that is just never injured. Like That's exactly he, right, especially you know, in the halves. Yeah, it, he's always going to be there. Like, you know through the entire season for the Sharks who the halfback's going to be, and that is gold. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. You get a lot of halfbacks. Um Mitch Moses is a classic example, okay, in all seriousness. You know you're going to get a handful of great games from Mitch Moses every year. You don't know when they're going to come. Mm-hmm. You also know you're going to get a bunch of donkey games from him, and you mm-hmm. also don't know when they're going to come. And that's you can't have that as a halfback. You've either got to be constantly brilliant or be constantly reliable. Mm. If you have those donkey games, it ruins everything for everyone. It can actually cost you your team the game, and probably even a bit, you know, by a big way. And you don't often find Townsend having a really, really bad game. Mm-hmm. It may be one or two a year. You know, he had one game in the final series in 2016 where he got hooked at halftime, I think. Mm-hmm. But ever since then, I don't think he's had a, a, you know, an absolute shocker game. I think he's been solid, reliable, dependable, um, and he's helped the team direct them around the park really well. And I was talking him up as a, as a genuine option for New South Wales at halfback for game one. Yeah, um, look, if that's... And, and I, when you were saying that, because I think you're the only person I've really heard pushing for him, for the halfback for New South Wales, and I thought it was a great idea. You know, I, I understand why they went with Cleary because they're almost investing in Cleary. He's so young. And the other thing about Cleary is he... He doesn't really stuff up. You know, he doesn't make really bad mistakes. Um, and that's something that's that's really good in a halfback as well. But if they had picked Townsend, I wouldn't have had any problems with it for that reason. If Australia picked him in a test match, I wouldn't have any problems with it. No, 
that's the thing. It's the thing. I suppose the reason why I was kind of a little bit more in favour of him for game one is I thought that his style would have helped Cody Walker more than Nathan Cleary's style would have. Mm-hmm. And that's not a criticism of the way Cleary had been playing, even if Cleary had been in great form. I just don't think that his style would have worked well with Walker as well as Chad Townsend's would. Yeah. That's that's just my opinion, though. No, I agree with that. I think the thing with Cleary is he's, his game at the moment, and you've always got to grade him on a scale of that he's a young halfback. His best years are ahead of him, way ahead of him. Right now, he's really good with short balls and stuff, but he hasn't yet got that long ball and the vision out in, in deep in his back line just yet. And that's where some, having somebody like Maloney as his offsider is great to have because Maloney can do that. Um, and so you've got, like, Cleary looking for short balls and stuff in, in the middle of the field. And then if there's nothing on, he gets it out to Maloney, who can look to the winger and see if he's open. Um, and, yeah, with Walker last night, and I didn't even think of this going in, but that's kind of not what Walker needs. Walker needs to have somebody that they use him as a threat and then they go to him. It, the, yeah. You know, the threat could be deep in the back line, cutting out Walker and stuff, but the one time you go to Walker and he's able to use his, his footwork and that and he can make something happen. Um, and I didn't think of that going into the game. I thought it would have worked all right, and it just didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I think that it comes down to um, for Cleary is because he is so young. I think he still gets told when and where he needs to pass to, so he's not mm. he hasn't got that instinct set down solid yet. Yeah. So when he's in a situation, I think when he goes near the line, um, if he's not confident that he can get there himself or he can make the right play. He won't. He won't take to the line. He'll find someone to pass it to, and he'll be looking for a call somewhere. Yeah, and I well, think that's kind of the mindset he's in at the moment. He's trying. He's taken that first step towards um, autonomous thinking for a halfback. Mm-hmm. And so there's sometimes you'll just see those little moments, and it's caused obviously Penrith a few losses this year, where he's sort of been caught half between what he thinks he should do and what he thinks he probably shouldn't be doing. And yeah, <laughs> so. I think That's it's probably taking him about 18 it. months to sort of get through that process and, and sort himself out. But I think he's kind of around that area there. Yeah, and I, I feel like early in the game last night, you could see he was he was really telling players where he wanted them to be. Yeah. Um, and that's something you want out of him. And he is. He's in that awkward transition between I'm kind of doing what I, I, I feel like everyone wants me to do rather than like, this is what we should be doing. You know, I'm being confident in the calls that he's making, and he'll get there. I've got, I've got no worries about Cleary. I don't know why everyone else is worrying about him, because it's just, it's the process. It, well, the the process also is that when New South Wales lose, you, you shit on the halfback. Yeah, <laughs> but I think we do that because for so long we had a legitimate reason to shit on the halfback. That's right. You know, it really was. You'd look at this team and you'd be like, man, they've got some good players here, here, here. But where the fuck was Pierce? And I think that, uh, you know, you, it starts a culture. It does. Uh, so, yeah, in 2018, Thurston topped the vote with 35%. Hunt had 19%. Cleary had 11 Johnson 11 And Cronk was on 9%. Oh, there you go. Wow, Cronk. Big turnaround. Yeah. All right. Prop. 
Well, top okay. props in the game. Torquiaho, 26%. Wow. Jesse Bromwich, 18. Andrew Fafita, 7. Waria Hargrave, 6%. And Clemmer, 5%. I can't believe Clemmer's that low. Yeah, I'm... It, is, it does look to be a reasonably tightish sort of uh, field. Yeah. Um, obviously, the one person that's that's gone missing there is uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard. Mm. And also, I suppose, um, uh, I don't know if you put Sam Burgess in there or not. No, he wouldn't be propped that much. I feel like yeah, he'd be second row, maybe yeah. lock even. Yeah. So, I'm not... I mean, I'm surprised Tokihaho ranked as highly. I'm mm-hmm. not surprised that he's in the top five, though, because he has had a bloody good year this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think you're getting to a point, and it's something we need to think about with this whole player poll, is that some of it will be people thinking about what they consider a player to have done last year because they haven't faced them this year. Yeah. That's exactly right. But um, I'm obviously not not surprised or concerned that Campbell Gillard only got one vote this year. No, he's had a he's had one of those. I mean, I I don't know what's happened to his running game. He's running like he's worried about getting hurt. That's probably what it is. Yeah, he's had that horrible jaw injury. Mm. Um, again, it's I think it's mental. I think if once he gets a bit of confidence that he's not going to break his jaw every time he goes into a tackle, mm-hmm. he'll probably come, go back to that fearless running that he had that was just so so bloody awesome to watch. I think it probably also stands out too because he was a, a New South Wales player last year and this year he's not playing as well and he's, he's not running like he used to, but he's also playing in a pack which is overall playing extremely soft and just isn't putting in the effort. And so you look at their pack and, and he's the first one. You're like, well, why is he not playing? And it, it's he, it's everyone in that pack, except for kick out to a certain extent, um, that's just playing soft. So he cops the brunt of a lot of that, which is fair enough. It's what you've got to, you know, you get, you get that extra money as a rep player. You've got to cop the criticism. Exactly. Um, so, last year they called it, um, I hate these terms, um, best middle forward. Yeah, what the hell's that? Just call them props for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, so, last year they had for their best middle forward, so obviously these are going to include locks. Um, they had Tomalolo, 34%, Burgess, 23%, Jake Dravojevich, 10%. Campbell Gillard at five. Jesse Bromwich and Andrew Fafita both had four. So it was basically locks and two props at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, Tamalolo should be 100%. Well, speaking of Tamalolo, we'll go to the locks, and he's mm. got uh, you know, 45% of the votes for <sighs> best lock. Jake Trebojevich, 20%. Cameron Murray, 15 Dale Finnegan, eight, and Jai Arrow, five. I must say, though, there's been so many locks this year mm. that have been playing out of their bloody boots. I'm not surprised to see that Tom Wallolo did not get 100%. So many of them have been playing absolutely stunning footy. 
they were going to get votes somewhere along the line. Yeah, I guess, and I guess at some point, Taumalolo, it becomes a case of like you get used to what he's doing, and you think, you know what, you know, he's playing pretty well. This guy, I might vote for him. Um, in my opinion, Taumalolo should have got one hundred percent. The way what he does, and we're going to do a whole episode on him soon enough. Um, just a different level, just a completely different level. Yeah, I can see him getting a golden boot sometime in the next few years. At least one anyway. But too uh, bad he's not English. He would have like 17 of them by now. <laughs> you know. Exactly. <laughs> There's not much more to discuss there because I don't argue with any of those people who got in the top five. I don't think they've got all that absolutely spot on. They've all mm. been brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, second rower, Sam Burgess, 54%. Kickout, 10%. Corden and 9%. Bateman and Tohu Harris, 7% each. Well, Bateman shouldn't be there at all. That's the first thing. Um, you know, Burgess is having a really good year. I think this might be his best year. Uh, he's played really, really well. Um, kick out. It's good to see him in there. He's tailed off in the last few weeks. He's, he, he was coming back from injury, though. Um, and obviously, Penrith's form hasn't helped. But, but, yeah, apart from that, hard to argue. Now, 2018, Tyson Vrizzell topped this with 22%. Matt mm. Gillette had 21%. Corden of 15%. Tohu Harris, 13%. And Wade Graham, 9%. Obviously, he hasn't played this year, so he's not going to get a mention. But yeah. um, just look, you look at those two lists there and go, man, we have so many great second rows in this competition now. Yeah, re- really do. And f- poor old Frizzell. I mean, he keeps on getting injured. And he's still pl- he's playing through so many yeah. things. It's crazy. And he's still playing really well. Um, I thought he was good last night. But, yeah, it, I think that, and I've said this before, we're in such a golden age of forwards. I mean, even the worst teams have great, great forwards on them. Yeah. All right, moving into Hooker. And Cameron Smith, 44%. Damian Cook, 36%. Then you get Josh Hodgson, 5%. Reed Mahoney, 3%. And Jaden Braley and Robbie Farrah are tied on 2%. Wow. Well, see, I wouldn't have Hodgson in there either. Um, I is think it just, he's... Is it just because he's British? It's got nothing to do with that, first of all. <laughs> I, I just think he's you completely, you completely dismissed Bateman as well. I'm, I'm wondering if there's some casual racism going on. Well, then, listen, I'm the same racism, all right? I know, I know. You bastard. Uh, but, but, yeah, it's... I, I just think he's overrated. You know, if he was as good as people were saying he was, the Raiders might actually have won something decent. I think the... I think he's... I don't think he's overrated, but I... I because I think you see the difference he makes to the Raiders when he's not there and when he is there. Canberra are completely out of sorts when he doesn't play. You don't, you can't even back him when he doesn't play. But here's the thing, right? He's injury prone. That's, that's the first. That's, thing. A, that's a problem. Yes, an injury prone hooker in the NRL. Massive, massive problem. The uh-huh. second thing is, yeah, he does make a big difference to the Canberra Raiders. I think if they got another decent hooker, they'd make a pretty big difference to the Raiders as well. I, I really do. I just think he's overrated. Um. Yeah, I, I think the thing about the Raiders for me is that they put too much value in fraud players and they're 
they like they like guys that you can like, and I like guys that can win. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, just I a can't... different philosophy. I can't argue with any of that. <laughs> <laughs> also, a he's a pom. I mean, That's what right. the hell? Well, see, that's the reason why I brought up the casual racism thing. I was trying to see if I could get a, a, a pom bashing out of you. Isn't it xenophobia when you don't like people from a different country? And it's not that I don't like people from Great Britain. <laughs> What's with the silence? You should, you should have, you should have agreed with me. There, Jeff. <laughs> I just let that hang for a little bit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, look, um, the interesting thing about this poll is. Mm. Um, Damien Cook has closed the gap immensely on Cameron Smith. So last year, yeah. Smith had 66% and Cook had 8%. Mm-hmm. So after one great season, yeah, Smith's come down 22%. Cook's gone up 24 There's now only 8% between the two. Isn't it interesting with hookers in the game that, and, and you, like you think back through history, there's always one that rises above everyone else and it's sort of like their era. And it's very rare that you've got more than a couple of eight hookers that are of a top level. I mean, that I guess going back to probably Benny Elias and, and Steve Walters was the last one I can think of where you had two really, really good hookers that were in their primes at the same time. And you could have picked... You, you had a real argument as to who was the best. It's almost as though the torch gets handed over to the next guy. And I feel like the next guy at the moment is Damian Cook. Um, and, and look, I, I think Cameron Smith is still the best hooker in the game. I really do. Yeah. But um, yeah, seeing Cook playing so well and he's, he's almost the perfect sort of hooker for the modern day game where he can absolutely, I, I think he's the best dummy half runner that I can think of seeing ever. I think what we're going to see with Damian Cook is because he's different in a very unique way, and that is his blistering speed, especially from a standing start, mm-hmm. he's going to change the way hookers play because yeah. we're going to start seeing clubs are going to start trying to find the next Damian Cook, someone blistering fast out of dummy half. I've even seen it this year at the West Tigers. Obviously, Robbie Farrah is not blistering fast, but you're seeing Farrah is trying to get off the mark really fast when he picks the ball up. He's doing a lot of those one-handed pickups to try and yeah. get ahead, try and get the markers turned around and get past them as quickly as possible. And I think that's a, a sort of sign that clubs are trying to work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, the one player that's surprising on there is uh, Reed Mahoney. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of hype over him this year. Um, I'm I'm not buying why? it though. Yeah, why? Like, what's he done? I, I don't know. Like, I'm not... He hasn't... I'll, I'll say this, Kay. He hasn't played bad, but I haven't seen enough of what he's done to think that he's ahead of Jaden Braley, Robbie Farrar. Um, even Danny Levi's been good this year. Um, Isaac Luke. Yeah. The fact I'm naming these players, you know, there's even um, Jake Granville. You know... I, I just don't. I don't put him above them yet. He's only young. He's got. He's still got time to go. But um, you know, to learn a lot of stuff. I just don't think he's. I don't. I wouldn't put him in that order. I've seen nothing from him that says to me, "Keep an eye on this kid," and it's 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 pretty harsh to say something like that. Yeah. But I, I just haven't seen what maybe 
other people have seen. I, I don't get it. And I think that it's imperative that the Parramatta Eels lock him into a five-year deal for $700,000. Lock him down. Lock get him, him down. locked in. <laughs> um, so the 2019 player poll team is mm. Tedesco, Ferguson, Mitchell, Croker, Adokar, Kiri, Kronk, Tokiaho, Smith, Bromwich, Burgess, Kikau, Tomololo, and on the bench is Jake Trebojevic, Cordner, Andrew Fafita, and Damian Cook. Pretty good. Pretty good pretty, team. Pretty solid side. Yeah, yeah. Now, the second half mm-hmm. of this poll. Mm-hmm. First question, biggest hitter. And they got Dylan Napper, 33%. Uh, your mate Victor Radley, 26, Sam Burgess, 19, James Fisher-Harris, 7, and Tarek Sims, 5%. Yeah, it's hard to argue with those players, hey? Yeah. Um, last year, Napa topped the poll as well, and again with 33%. Um, Burgess had 15%, Fisher-Harris, 13, uh, DeBellin, 11, Tarek Sims, 9%. It's almost the same players. The only one that's changed there is Radley's come in. Yeah. It's crazy how how hard Radley can hit for the size of him. Yeah. You know, you, I tell you, there's the young bloke for the storm uh, that was going to take over at hooker. What's his name? Brandon Kiwi Smith? Kid. Yes. I'm a little bit surprised he isn't there because he can hit like a truck. He and he's, does. Uh, he's another small player, um, relatively speaking. He's probably about six foot two. but um, he's, He has got a gorgeous technique, that kid. Yeah, and it, he he just throws himself into everything 100%. So I think he will be on that list next year. Um, but, yeah, the, everyone on that, on that list, it's very hard to argue with. Absolutely. Uh, hardest to tackle. Top on this list again, Jason Tormalolo. No surprise there. Yep. 45%. RTS, 17%. Kickout, 10%. Ponga, 7%. Latrell Mitchell, 6%. Yeah, that's a. I think that's about right too. Hey, I think that. I mean, Tal Malolo. If it had been hundred percent for him, I would have been like, "Yep, next." <laughs> I just think um, it's crazy what he's doing. But anyway, it's, it's very similar to last year. Um, Tal Malolo and, and RTS were again the top two there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fafita had six percent. Ponga five percent. Inglis five percent last year. Tell you who's not there. Um, Tedesco. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm surprised he's not on that list at all. I wonder if, from a player's perspective, because we look at him and we're like the footwork and and his evasiveness and stuff, I wonder if, from a player's perspective, they're thinking, yeah, but once you get your hands on him, you can get him down easy. Whereas if you look at someone like an RTS, he's still bloody strong. You get your hands on him, he might leave you behind still. I think RTS, though, has one thing that Tedesco doesn't, and that is that freakish step from a standing start. Yes. But Tedesco has to be moving for his step to work. It's a good yeah. step. Yeah. But um, RTS can bring it out of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. Like, he can be... He could be two metres to your left-hand side mm. and you're moving up in defence and all of a sudden he's gone past you on the right and you're like, how how the fuck did that happen? He's at a standing step. start, you know? All right, so next question. This one wasn't asked in 2018, so this is a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, best Sledger. Oh, wow. Getting edgy now. Yeah. Top of the poll, 41%. Will Chambers. Oh, wow. That's great. I love that. <laughs> 15%. James Maloney. Yep. 
And then all on 3%, Josh Dugan, Latrell Mitchell, and Tarek Sims. See, I feel as though Gary Freeman should still top this list. Um, if, if, if this was around in that time, Gary Freeman would have, he'd be the only person to ever do better than 100%. Yeah, he'd get like 175%. <laughs> um, uh, we should try and get him on the podcast. He would be such a good guest. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah one, of, one person I'm surprised isn't on here is Josh Maguire. Yeah. Maguire, I tell you, another player that I almost thought he would be on there was uh, Cameron Smith. And not in the regular sledging that you think about, just talking back to you, you chirping. know? Yeah. He, he sounds like a chirper. Yeah. I'm trying right. to think of anyone else that stands out as a as a bit of a talker. No one really does. Um, I, I would have put Mitch Moses in there, but it would have been only towards his own teammates. <laughs> Who are uh, a couple of weeks ago, Paul Gallen runs, drop knocks on and turns around and yells at the dummy half. <laughs> like he you know Yeah. I did laugh was, at that. That was hilarious. <laughs> um the next coach in waiting. So this is um which player would be the next best coach. Okay. Um I'm not surprised with the top two here. Cameron Smith, thirty six percent. Uh, Cooper Cronk, 18%. Then Blake Green, 6%. And James Maloney and Wade Graham, both on 3%. Wow. James Maloney, I can't imagine coaching. Um, But, yeah, that seems about right, hey? I feel as though Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk, if you said in 10 years' time they're going to be coaches, in 10 years' time... They're going to be high up in the NR, running the NRL in some way. If you said that they're going to be team owners, I wouldn't be shocked by any of it. I think Cameron Smith will definitely go into coaching. Yeah, um, that bloke has a brain for the game like no one I've I've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, Kronk, I think I think he's going to be a major player in the media side of things. I don't think he's going to yeah. go into coaching. Yeah. But he could. If he wanted to, he could. Yeah. But he might be in in the same sort of vein as uh, like Peter Sterling. I feel as though Sterling was very much like that. And people have been like, come on, do it, do it, do it. And he just he just enjoyed being in the media more. It was – and I, I respect that. It's Being a coach, I can't imagine, is all that enjoyable if you're not built that way. Exactly. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I've got no problems with it, you know, picking up from having called games. And I'm not saying that I'm some rugby league commentator, even though I am as an expert as well. Um, it's it's so much fun. I can't imagine being paid for it. The, the amount of money that these commentators get paid, they must be like waiting for the tap on the shoulder and people to walk in and say, listen, we know. We know you're having too much fun. You've got to do it for free now. <laughs> Um, okay, next question was, if you were starting up a new NRL team, who is the first player you would sign? Oh, I love this question. Okay, go. 20%, Kalen Ponga. Wow. 11%, Cameron Smith. Yeah. 10%, Cooper Cronk. 10%, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. 8%, Tedesco. Wow, that's so cool, that question. That's a brilliant one. Yeah, I don't think... I, I wouldn't have Cronk because... It's definitely the end. 
Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'm, I'm going to want someone young who I can build a team around. But having said that, if I could get a three-year commitment out of Cameron Smith, I'd sign him straight away. Yeah. So that's the that's the thing about it. It's like I, I wouldn't have Tedesco. I would probably want I can I you know get Ponga. I would definitely have um Taumalolo in there. Taumalolo would be my first pick. <clears throat> because he can he on his own can carry a forward pack. You can though go and say, right, if this is one of those weird draftings where you'll have to take take a picking turn, mm-hmm. I'd go, right, Tormalolo, now focus on the backs and the halves. Yeah. Get that sorted, then come back to the forwards. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, I, I think personally, if if I was put together a team, it would probably, as I said, if I went to Cameron Smith and said, listen, I'm willing to have you till you turn 40, 41 <laughs> even. Right? I'm not even joking, though. No, because the good I, thing is, okay, he's he's you see him now. He's doing things now to preserve himself. And sometimes yeah. that means he shifts into first receiver, so he's not being tackled a lot or doing a lot of defense. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot. He's been doing it since about 2014, 2015. Um, he's doing it in the 2016 Grand Final. I remember watching that where Kronk was being so heavily targeted by Luke Lewis mm-hmm. that Smith decided to go into first receiver so that he could, you know, he could give that the Storm a genuine first receiver option again and yeah. take away that drama that was going on with Kronk being tagged so heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, very nearly worked for him. So he's been doing a bit of that, and it's been doing it a bit more often of late. So you could probably get him and just carry him at five eighth or something in in the last two years. Yeah, and I just his voice on there would be brilliant. Yeah, and, and the culture that he'd bring in and all of that. And even down the track, I would say to him, look, we think that we want you to, after you retire, we want you to be part of the club. You're always going to have a job here, and we hope that you're the coach one day. So that would he'd probably be my first one if I could get that sort of commitment out of him. If not, if you said, look, thanks, I've got one year left in me, I would go Tamalolo. And then after that, I would probably go Ponga because Ponga, super marketable, um, very young. And then after that, and people are going to get angry when I say this, I'd look at Cleary. Yeah, look, I probably wouldn't mind looking at him either purely because, actually, I, you know, I'll go one further. I'd probably go Kyle Flanagan. Oh, wow. He's got that goal kicking ability, Um, he's a bit younger. And I think he's he's got the potential, like Cleary has, to be um, absolutely top notch. Mm-hmm. He's playing so well, or straight out of the box too. Yeah. Uh, next question was best step. Now three players here made up ninety seven percent of the vote. Wow. Number one, Kalen Ponga, fifty six percent. Yeah. Thirty seven percent goes to Roger Tuivasa-Shek. And 4% went to Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson still, wow. Trying to think if anyone else stands out in terms of having... I'll tell you what, Cameron Munster, he showed it last night. Munster does have a good step. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else that really stands out in terms of their step. Yeah, I'm starting to see now why most three players took up the majority of the vote. Yeah, because they, they're the ones that it stands out. It's like, oh, yeah, him, him, him. 
Um, I mean, Tedesco, I wouldn't say he's got a step more than he's got footwork. Yeah, I, I don't think Tedesco's got a step. He's more of a... Um, his running style's a bit more like Steve Rogers. He sort of has a bit of a swerve. Yeah. Um, yeah, he gets you with that and the... Because his footwork is so good. Yeah, and you know he, that he does he can... have surprisingly good pace. Yeah, yeah, very, very good pace. So, yeah, I, it's hard to argue with that that list. I agree. Um, I would love to see that same list from when Matty Bowen was playing. Because Matty Bowen was a... What, a, what year, Matty Bowen? Probably first half of his career, Matty Bowen would have... I mean, he had... Maybe the best footwork I've ever seen from a footy player. He, the reason if, I ask is, would Benji Marshall have dominated those things then? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Benji Marshall had that. It was almost like Benji Marshall's step was kind of like Brad Fittler's in that it was like an atomic bomb went off in the game when that came out. Yeah. You know, whereas Matty Bowen, it was almost every time he ran the ball, it was like step, 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 step. Um, whereas with someone like, Benji, it was like, bang. What was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's a very good point. uh, I will be surprised if we ever see someone come into the game with a step more amazing than Benji Marshall's when he hit the scene. Yeah, it was... Because... you know, the yeah. thing that the thing that made Fitless so Fitless one so good was not just how big it was because he's a he's a big guy. Yeah, it wasn't just how big it was. It was the fact that as he pushed off, he got faster, and so it yeah. meant that not only did you miss a step, but you couldn't catch him when he got past you either because he was just gone. Mm. And he was never a fast player, but he used it to propel himself forward. Benji's was Benji would do this do that crazy step standing still. Mm. And still get around you, and he's and because he's so much smaller, it was just unbelievable. Plus the fact that he had that that weird jinking action going on with, with his knees and his body. The first thing it did yeah. is the defender stopped moving because they're gone. I have to try and catch this bloke, and it's like you're trying to catch a chicken. Because <laughs> you see defenders like that when he's sitting when when the line gets set straight and Benji got the ball and he started doing those weird steps, everyone stopped moving. And straight away he went, they're sitting ducks. And he did this thing too. He, he'd hold the ball in two hands. Yeah. And he, like, you could see him physically, like, loading the step up. And as a, the opposition players, would be, as you say, they'd stop and they'd be like, he's, he's about to do it. Which way is he going to go? By the time that that thought entered their head, he was gone. That's right. And, and the, thing... the thing is too, he might go, bang, bang, bang. And, and so you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> that was yeah. the thing about him that was amazing. Um, and then you throw in the fact that defenders also knew that he could and would regularly throw passes, either flick passes or no-look passes. So he'd yeah. still be looking straight at you and still throw that ball. And so there's too many things for a defender to think about when they're dealing with him. And sure, they didn't all come off. But mm. the fact is they come off often enough for it to sit in the back of your mind and go, it's either, it could work here. I don't want it to be against me, but you don't know how to defend it. Um, we're not going to see someone who's been, who'll be able to do that to a defensive line. Um, I'd be surprised if we ever see that again, because I don't think we saw it any time before either. No, um, I'm, I can't think of somebody before that that had that, co- that complete co- combination of 
I've got the ball in two hands. I can flick past it. I can put out a long pass. Watch my body. Watch my footwork. And while you're thinking all of this, he goes step, 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 and he's done. He's doing something here. And then he flick passes around his back, and it's like it's just incredible what he was doing at that age. And it's yeah. I love that from that player who had the ability to do that. Now you look at Benji Marshall, and he's a heavier player now. Um, he's just better built, which has obviously helped his longevity because when he was younger, he just was so slight. It was really breaking him down playing yeah. first grade. But now he's like, he guides teams around the field. He steps up when he needs to step up. and It shows the quality of him as a player that he's able to do that. There was a certain time in the game where I felt like Benji Marshall was the best player in the world. And I, you know, he just... It, it was when physically he was still able to do a lot of that stuff, but mentally he also grabbed command of the game and was able to to really control the game. And even when the West Tigers were losing matches, it wasn't because of Benji Marshall. Benji was trying everything. And he yeah. had, I mean, how many bludger backs did he have to play with? And and forwards um, and, and coaches. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that 2009 to 2011 period, mm. that was a that was when he was at his peak because he was in that transition from being that exciting young player. He still had those steps and those those passes and stuff, mm. but he also went into this transition where he started to, I think, mentally slow down with his thinking processes and yeah. take make more or better options and more better decisions more often. And, it's and that's not what we're saying now is he makes he makes good decisions far more often now than he ever has before. Yeah, and it, it he they, he changed from playing what was in front, and this is what all good halves do do. They change from playing what's in front of them to setting up and thinking about what's going to happen after they do this, or what the reaction of these plays is going to be. Not necessarily for how they are just going to stop him. But if they all do this and stop him, it's going to open something up for the players outside of him off the next play the ball. And it, when he got to that point, that's when I felt like he was the best player in the game. And I feel like it was a, a good couple of years where he's the best player in the game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, next question. Uh, who will win this year's State of Origin Series? Yeah. New South Wales, 2-1, 46%. Wow. New South Wales, 3-0, 26%. You're all wrong. Yeah, all wrong. Uh, Queensland, 2-1, 18%. Queensland, 3-0, 10%. Far out. That's pretty big for Queensland, 3-0. Yeah. All the Queenslanders. (laughs) All the passionate ones, anyway. Yeah. Um, Which player most deserves to make his State of Origin debut in 2019? And the top two didn't even make their debut yet. Oh, wow. Luke Keary, 43%. Uh, Dale Finnegan, 18%. Cody Walker, 13%. Cameron Murray, 11%. And Victor Radley, 2%. Wow. I'm surprised Radley's so low down that list. Yeah. So here's a good one, which is kind of a... This is almost a an opportunity to be a little bit critical towards the NRL, if you like. Okay. In the most gentlest possible way. <laughs> um, should the NRL increase, decrease, 
or maintain the current number of NRL clubs in the competition? Oh. 50%, 50% said increase. Yeah. 45% keep it as it is, and 5% said cut teams. That's interesting. I mean, you would think that the players should 100% be saying more teams because more teams means more opportunities. Well, that's right. I'm surprised that there was 5% saying decrease. Yeah, I, de- I never understand why people want less teams. I mean, yeah, when I... you look at the worst team, the worst team's probably the Bulldogs, and they're a bit of an anomaly, I feel as though. But if, say, you look at the Titans as the next worst team, they're pretty damn good for a bad team. Yeah. I, I agree. And there's not much difference between... Um, you know, it's only one or two good buys, and they go from being, you know, a bottom team to a top eight side. And that's a, yeah. that goes for every club. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Deciding drawn games. Ooh, this will be a good one. Golden point, 44%. Ooh, that's high. Keep it as a draw after 80 minutes, 18%. Mm-hmm. Golden try, 14%. Extra time followed by golden point, 14%. And just plain old extra time after a draw, 10%. The thing for me is that the most intelligent option is the one that got 10%. Because I think they should just have extra time. doesn't matter who scores first or or what they do. Just have an extra 10 minutes of footy. See, I like golden point. Um, I've got no problems with golden point. I think the thing that jumps out for me there is that overwhelmingly players want the game decided. Yeah, they don't. They like if you look at it as games. Do you want the game decided versus a draw? It is overwhelming. They want the game decided. That's right. And one thing that is also good for me is that um, they haven't they haven't gone all in on the whole golden try idea because I thought that was one of the dumbest ones out there. Yeah, I don't get golden try. I don't like the thought that and you bring in scenarios like okay, you get a penalty right in front, you kick a goal, now you're up. In the game, that, like what what happens now? That's exactly right. <laughs> it's you know, just dumb because you say right. The whole idea is that by the end of golden try, the team who scores the scores a try wins the game. But if one team kicks a field goal, mm. you have do you award a try even though do you award it as a draw despite the fact no tries are scored but one team's higher on the scoreboard? It's stupid. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, or and... a team, or how's this? A team kicks three penalty goals and then the other side scores a try. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And they <laughs> yeah. win the match, yeah. yeah. They win the match despite being behind on the scoreboard. Dumb. D- really dumb. Super, don't, super dumb. Don't ever argue with me about the validity of Golden Try. It's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why, you know what, Andrew? That's why you're an expert. <laughs> um, must be. Oh, I can't argue with that. Um, <laughs> the next one is expansion. Where should the NRL expand to next? Oh, okay. Perth, 41%. Yeah. Brisbane, it's not expanding there. You're already there. Anyway, 18%. Wellington, 7%. The Central Coast, 7%. And Central Queensland, 6%. Ooh. See, I wouldn't mind living in Central Queensland either. Not Central Queensland. I think that when they say Central Queensland, they mean the Central Coast of Queensland. The Central Coast wouldn't be bad, but if they're talking about Roma... Fuck that. <laughs> that uh, um, and hello to all our listeners in Roma. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I've been, I've been to Roma. I've been yeah. through the place as well. Um, full respect to the people out there because I know how hard it is living on the land and you guys are doing it bloody tough out there. Um, yeah. Bloody hell. I'm a, yeah, I'd say I'm a city boy. Always lived in, in Sydney. So, you know, I like my big shopping centres and my to roads. Those, to, those people in, to those people in Roma and other parts of rural Australia, um, I'll see if I can see if I can get freaky out to the bush one day. And I'll, I, won't, I won't take him out to look at stuff. I'll get him out there and work the bastard too so that he can he can come back on here and he can talk like a country person. Oh, these city kids, they don't know how fucking easy it is. Oh, I was just <laughs> I was just helping it over the fence. Um, <laughs> I, look, I've been to Tamworth. And I, I don't know if I've talked about Tamworth on the podcast, but geez. Um, when we when they did this, they actually asked this question last year, and back then Fiji got eleven percent. Oh wow, that's interesting. And no expansion to take place got nine percent. Oh wow. So we, and we've talked about this a little bit. I, the one that surprised me there is Wellington. I mm. guess that Kiwis probably voted heavily for Wellington. Um, I wonder if they were given an option, you know, or if it was just tell me where you think straight out the straight out of the blue, you know, or if they were given an option and Wellington was one of the options. Think, I'd like to know that. I think with New Zealand, I could be wrong here, but I've, I've been there twice, okay, on, mm. to both islands. Mm-hmm. And I get the impression that the South Island is rugby union and the North Island is rugby league. See, my understanding is that Auckland is rugby league in terms of like where the, the the vast majority of the strength is, and everywhere else is a little bit similar. But as you go further south, it becomes more towards rugby union. And when I say similar, I mean league is is sort of there's a few players that play league, but then as you go more south, you get less and less of that. Yeah. Um, whereas Auckland is where it's really at. That's why I always found it weird when people talk about um, they should have a Origin series in New Zealand and have it Auckland versus everyone else. And it's like, yeah, I want to be on the everywhere else team. Yeah. It's like it's amazing gonna... how the three nations which started playing rugby league first yeah. have all struggled going south, but they've never had an issue going north. That is a good point. <laughs> that is a really good point. It, uh, well, okay, France, so... France was the first one to buck the trim because they were big in the south. south Th- that's south exactly west. what I was starting to south think. West. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess signal. that's a good sign for um for Canada. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, right. What was the next one? Referees. Mm-hmm. Risky one. How do you rate referee performance out of five? 2019, they said 3.1 out of five. Okay, and in previous bad. years, it was 2.6. Yeah, so, the, so they've gone up. They've gone up half a point. I, and I feel like that that is reflective of what I'm saying as well. I think the refereeing, apart from a couple of referees, has been really, really good this year. Yeah, look, I think... There was this conflict last year where the players were happy to have the ruck cleaned up, but they didn't like the fact that it meant, you know, 40 penalties in a game or 30 penalties in a game. Mm. And so there was a conflict there and they didn't know which way they wanted to go. I think they've kind of hit 
hit a comfortable mark where they are now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that the, the game is being refereed more naturally for what rugby league wants out of the flow of the match. Yeah. Um, and there's there seems to be less of the pedantic um, penalties that we saw a lot of last year. You still see them every so often where you're like, well, what was that penalty for? Or, you know, there'll be a player that's, you know, lying on the ruck for a second too long and they'll blow a penalty and you're like, that's a bit harsh. But overall, I think we're seeing less of those penalties this year. Exactly. Um, the nines, what do you think of the nines concept? 67% love it, 30% are indifferent, and 3% hate it. Oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty good. That's a good sign for the nines. Yeah. Um, the percentage hating it has dropped significantly. So last year when they did this, 26.5%, they hated it. Oh, wow. That's You know, and it wasn't played this year too. Maybe that's it. So that's a big, that's a big difference there. You know, it's always, it's always, you know, easy to love something when you don't have to deal with it. <laughs> True. <laughs> that leads to an all new lot of questions right there. Yeah, um, yeah. What the hell did I just say? <laughs> uh, should the NRL introduce a player transfer window? Seventy-two percent say yes. Twenty-eight say no. I don't understand this question. Like. What the hell does that mean? A play transfer window? Like, I think I think it's something similar to what they've got in the EPL. I don't fully understand it either, but I think they've got a set period of the season, and it might be mid-season, where right this is when this is the only time of the year the players are allowed to talk with other clubs and talk about their future for next year, and you can change clubs and whatever. Then, and you get like a month to do it. Ah, so and then you don't have the speculation just... going on all year. You don't have managers talking to teams all year. You've got yeah. a set month where you can do all that shit and get it out of the way in one go. See, and and I know <laughs> when I say this, you're going to be like 100. percent The idea that the players and the managers and the clubs are not all going to just talk 100 percent of the time of anyway. I mean, so silly to think that they're just going to be like, look, look, I would love to talk to you about upgrading, you know, Gutherson's contract. But <laughs> I can't. My hands are tied. There's some you, rules. You cannot police that. Not at all. Look, they can't police the current rules where, like, <laughs> so how are they going to bring in a rule where you're not allowed to even talk about it? Like it's because, because, it's because there's been this growing discontent among a, a whinging bunch of fans going, oh, I hate the fact that players are talking to other clubs all the time and we've got a player at our team who's going to be here next year and he's already signed a 15-year deal with Parramatta for 2021. They're going, deal with it. You know, it's their lives. Yeah. They've got to do this shit. I just yeah, just grow care. up. These people yeah. need to grow up. It's, it, you know, it's 2019. Yeah. Um, if you had to leave your club... Which team would you want to sign with? Oh, wow. Roosters, 27%. Ugh. Storm and Broncos, 15%. South, 9%. And the Titans, 8%. And that one, that one I laugh at because I think that is one, not because they, they want to go and play for the Titans. I think they're going there for recreational purposes. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> um, there's some really, really, really nice libraries on the Gold Coast. Oh, mate. Um, <laughs> wonderful uh, places. Great great parks with swings too. Yeah. They really look after their swings there. Kids love it. Yeah. Uh, 
It's it's fantastic. Um, so the thing that gets me about that is if eight percent of players would be happy to go to the Titans, how are the Titans struggling so much to build a strong roster from one to seventeen? It's a really good point. Look, their roster isn't terrible, but no. How do they how do they not attract better players if the Gold Coast is such a lure? That's a really good point. And my guess is. The lack of crowds probably put some players off. And I guess after that, it's like you can't sign everyone. You know, maybe it's just bad management. They get to a point where it's like we can't afford these players that want to come here. This is the thing is, last year when they did this poll, the Titans were on it again then. So the Broncos were 20%, Storm 17, Roosters 11, Titans 9. For some reason, Dragons and Manly were both at six. Drag, see the Dragons are the Dragons are an historic team. They've been around since nineteen ninety nine, so that's one reason. Um, and we, could, sp- we could upset some Manly fans and say they've been around since two thousand and three. Well, they have. That's when <laughs> the Manly Seagulls were founded. Um, and th- can we just thank the North Sydney Bears? for allowing the Manly Seagulls to exist today. Because without the Bears, the Seagulls don't exist. Think about that, Manly fans. There's a character there. You're going to get some hate mail over that. Oh, Uh, wow. All 15 of them. (laughs) Which team do you most love to beat? Uh, The Storm, 21%. Roosters, 17%. Broncos, 13%. Sharks, 12%. And the Rabbitohs, 8%. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I think it's funny the Sharks are there, hey? I think it's because they've got that in-your-face style. And they, oh, they... Grind, they grind you down, so you've actually got to play pretty tough, gritty footy to get wins against them. And let's be honest, they turned into pricks at one point. Well, when like, they won a premiership, yeah. Ah, oh, just turned into utter pricks. It's like, what, what the hell's their problem? Be happy. Well, success breeds ego, and they finally had some. Yeah. So then they sort of I, go out there and go, yeah, we're better than the Titans and the Warriors. Too bad they didn't breed, like, money. Wow. <laughs> you never know. They, yeah. Jeffrey Edison is still alive. Yeah, he could maybe tr- look to buy them again. So that is, that is the NRL player poll. Oh, that's the end of it. Well, that's, that was pretty good. That, that was entertaining. Um, any of it jump out at you that was a little surprising? Yeah, I think for me the biggest one there, which I mentioned, was um, the Titans being one of the favourite clubs to go to. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the big push into a second team in Queensland. Uh-huh. Um, like, I'm not opposed to it. I... I've already said I don't think it should be in Brisbane. I think they should be looking at something like the Sunshine Coast. Try and get from Redcliffe to the Sunshine Coast and maybe even up to, you know, as far north as, say, um, Bundaberg. Mm-hmm. You've got a big area to draw on there, massive, massive area. Um, so th- I think that's what they should be looking at. Um, yeah. I mean, look, if I was the Titans, I would, I would take that and I would say we're doing something wrong. We're obviously doing something wrong here because 
we they are... Wanna, the players want to come here and we're doing nothing to help them make that decision. Yeah. And so there, there's obviously... I, and I don't know what it would be if it's just the fact that you... I mean, it can't be the fans thing because players go to the Roosters and they play in front of no one. Um, so it can't be just playing in an empty stadium. And it's a really nice stadium that they've got there on the Gold Coast too. It's a great venue. I've, I've been there a few times. It is it is brilliant. So they've got... There's obviously something they're doing wrong and they really need to work out what it is, whether it is the fact that they seem to never have a, the sort of coach that players want to I say, think, yeah. I think that's it. I think yeah. the nail on the head there is the fact that it's the coach. They mm. need to get a coach in there who they want to play under. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Mal Meninga is that, that person or not because his, his club coaching record isn't fantastic. Yeah. But maybe he's the sort of personality that they'd be keen to go to. They may see... This, this is the thing. They may see going to the Titans, if Melman Ingle was head coach there, they might see that as possibly a quick step into a, into a, a kangaroos jumper. Possibly, and yeah. That could be a carrot to get players there. See, I would, I would think that if I was a player, I would be, and it was coming down to coaches, I'd want to go to the coaches that made players better and down the track meant that they got a bigger contract from even someone else which is Bellamy, um, I think Bennett to a certain extent. Brad Arthur. Then... <laughs> That's very true. Well, yeah. you, know, you talked about contracts and getting yeah. them upgraded. I mean... You want, you're correct. I can't argue with you. <laughs> um, yeah, look at what he's done with Gutherson. He really turned him from a reserve grader to being paid like a first grader that's actually a reserve grader. So... Um, yeah, that's probably anyone, the thing. Anyone that listening would think we just hate Parramatta. They we think don't. We don't we, hate Parramatta. We just nah. don't have high opinions of Mitch Moses and, and Clinton Gutherson. Yeah, we don't hate Parramatta. We hate Manly. <laughs> I, I can I can go with that. <laughs> oh man, I could hate any NRL team if I really want to. I guess. So I I th- this is the way I look at life. Hate everyone. Then you're not yeah. leaving money out. That's exactly right. I reserve my biggest criticism for the Panthers. And anybody that wants to whinge about what I say about their club, just go and have a look at some of the stuff I've said about the Panthers. Yeah, look, and I must admit, I am I think I've been one of the, not so much this year, but in the past, I've been one of the loudest critics of the Tigers. So yeah. um, I can't be criticised and biased because I'm not one of those people that sits there and thinks that my team's bloody flawless while everyone mm. else is crap. Um, I hammer my club more than anyone else. Mm. We sound we sound a bit like Buzz Rothfield to be honest. Yeah, I think that's his uh, that's his that's, whole thing. I'm, that's his I'm, motive because whenever he's struggling for a story, you go right. I'll just dig up some shit at the Sharks. Yeah, uh, I guess it works for him. Hey, yeah, well, it's quite him where he is, I guess. Where's um, our money? I'm looking for our money. Mm. What's for him? Where's the money? Nah, it's not you. Sorry. <laughs> Alrighty, well, we might wrap this one up. It's gone on quite a bit. We're um, we'll do our quick um. Any quick shout-outs you want to do, mate? Uh, Shout-out to Nadine, our biggest fan. It's fantastic. Shout-out to the starting block, as always. Drop Uh, the K at the end. Yep, no K at the end. Look up the starting block. Uh, What else? Go and jump on Patreon. Look up Rugby League Project on Patreon and donate to that. Fantastic, brilliant website. 
my favourite website to go to. And what else? What else have we got? We've got leaguefreak.com. Oh, yes, of course. Um, that's that's where you should go for all your sporting, all your rugby league news. I wrote about well, the NBA sport. the other day, hey? I was going to say all sporting news. Yeah. So, yeah, you can go there for that. Um, Brilliant site, that one. Uh, check out all of our Twitter accounts. There's the Fergo Freak Pod Twitter account for the actual podcast. If you um, if you want to get something read out or you want to say something that you want us to discuss on the show, send it to send it to the Fergo Freak Pod on there. Just talk to them on there. Um, it just makes it easier for us because um, obviously with Freaky because he's got such a large following. I mean, he's he practically lives on Twitter, constantly responding to everyone. It's difficult. Um, it like, it, and if you ask a question you want on the podcast, it kind of gets lost in the the sea of people. The avalanche prick, or saying I'm wrong, or um, you know. and for me, I've got a completely different audience. I don't have anywhere near as the size of audience as Freaky here, but the audience I've got tend to be asking me questions like, um, "Can you list all of the captains who?" Uh, and their win percentages since 1908 for one certain club played on June on a Sunday when the temperature was 23 degrees. Yeah, just um, bring that up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I tend to get a bit um, bogged down chasing up stats for people. Um, Can I have a spreadsheet of all of your statistics, please? Thank you. I have I have had that request. Someone asked <laughs> for, all our, for all of our database. <laughs> they said, oh, can you just send me all of your database? I said, just go to the URL. Yeah. So no, no, I want it. I want it in a spreadsheet. And mm. do you realise how big our database is and the um, limitations of spreadsheets? Well, maybe and, uh, two spreadsheets. Then I said, no, yeah. mate, that's not going to work this way. You're not getting what you want out of it. <laughs> two spreadsheets. Can I have it on two of them? <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I like all of the tools that you use. There's one tool that you use on that site. I love it. Yeah, we've got a we've got a few going on there. We've got some more. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. We won't go into that one. No. Secret special stuff. So um, yeah, um Periscope. Periscope, yes. Well goodness. Eventually. We're, we're we're getting closer to figuring out how to use it properly. Yeah, our um, test run was really, really good, really successful. The, the test run worked flawlessly. And the issue we had since then, which was yesterday, because we had the live show we were going to do, and we did do, um, but the audio didn't work. And we didn't realise until we went to play it back and heard just silence. And I spent most of the first half of Origin just constantly banging my head against the wall. <laughs> um so then we came on after Origin and thought, we'll do it again. And this would be more of a test run just to see how it goes. And for 90 minutes, um, everyone heard me talking to silence. I don't know why, but uh, Freaky here could not be heard. So I'll look at it this way. That's that's a 50% improvement on what we previously pushed out. <laughs> <laughs> We're, getting <there. laughs> We're getting there. Hopefully by Origin 2 we'll be able to put on a live show that everyone can hear both of us on. People will uh, probably see us testing from time to time. Feel free to jump on. Yeah. Have yeah a if, listen. if you're on Twitter late at night on any day of the week, mm. there's a fair chance we'll be on there. Um, your feedback would be helpful because it might actually help us identify what the hell's going wrong. 
because we're clueless. Yeah. I, I spend my time looking at old newspapers. You know, <laughs> trying to figure out technology, some of those I've never used before. I'm, I'm getting spend, more and more I like an old man. T- Look, I spend my time watching pornography and playing the Xbox, so it's it's all just a mystery to me as well. Um, <laughs> so we, yeah, if you, if you see us broadcasting live, feel free to jump on and say, I can hear you both, or I can only hear one of you, or I can't hear anything, or just something constructive, because that would be fantastic. Like, we really do uh, need that feedback from that. Um, and yes, just a, a, a quick bit of breaking news. Actually, I've just seen on Twitter. We can throw on here. Yeah. Um, South Sydney halfback Adam Reynolds has been sidelined indefinitely with a back fracture, which he suffered against <gasps> Parramatta. Oh wow! Wayne Bennett says he'll return when the pain goes away. He isn't sure how long he'll be out for, but says it's more like weeks, not months. Well, at least it's not long, long term, but. A back fracture. Well, wow, because he had his leg injury. They were worried he'd broken his leg. I wonder if he got a sensation into his leg that was from his back. Not too sure. Um, friend of the podcast, Anaral Physio, said, likely transverse uh, process fracture, extremely painful injury, but structurally not as debilitating, often referred to as pain tolerance issue, usually a three- to six-week recovery, which... If it's the worst case scenario, there he's not playing Origin this year. Yeah, so he's he's done in terms of that. Um, far out. Hey, that's that's the thing about Reynolds, and I mean, I with some players it can be bad luck, and other players are just injury prone, and I it just whenever he gets going, and just when you start to think start to stop worrying about him getting injured, then he gets injured. Yeah. And it I just stops he's, he's He's such a good player and he, he busts his ass so much. It's, yeah. it's, it's bloody disappointing. Damn. To him wow. more than else. Well, that's, I mean, that's a big break on South Sydney season too because Walker's yeah. going to come back. I, I mean, wow, that's massive. That's absolutely massive. That changes them an awful lot. I don't yeah. know how they recover from that. It's a good thing they had a good start to the year because it'll keep them in finals contention. But um, yeah. they they need Reynolds back fit. Hopefully he's only out for a few weeks, you know, three or four. That I think they'll they'll be fine. But they can't have much more than that. You know, and and if it's a pain tolerance thing, that's fair enough. But I tell you what, if it was my back, I'd be saying I'm not coming back until I am one hundred percent. Yeah, back's a Backs are dicey. Yeah, you don't want to be, you don't want to be carrying it. No. I definitely wouldn't be carrying it, especially where Souths are on the ladder. Um, and just, it's going to be interesting to see how they go without him because he's been fantastic this year. Yep. Um, so that's a uh, that's our first bit of breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. <laughs> uh, on that. Uh... On that note, I guess we might wrap it up and say uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, yeah, follow us and like us on on iTunes and give us give us shout outs on there and uh, five star reviews. And we're on YouTube, do the same thing there. That'd be fantastic. Um, I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Absolutely. Catch you later. <laughs>